Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the season. It's myself, Ollie, and Glyn. How are you doing, Glyn? I'm okay. I'm a bit, probably sound a bit fatigued and tired, maybe, than what I normally do with my energy on a Sunday night, because um, I said a few weeks back I was doing that Cycle to Milton Keynes thing uh, for the shoe town in the community, um, raising some money for that, um, and obviously cycling to Milton Keynes at the end of the, end of, uh, the season. I think it's, it's in April. And I'll be honest with you, Ollie, I did a massive bike ride today, 45 miles, and I'm absolutely shattered. And following on the back of another home loss, um, <laughs> it's hard to, hard to get up for an excited voice tonight but um i'm sure when we get into talk about the referee ollie i will get suitably um engaged with what's going on yeah it's funny isn't it <laughs> at the moment we yeah a couple of decent performances but results are still dire um and it's 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 very frustrating and yeah it's similar to you you've been doing a lot of cycling and stuff i've moved house and still trying to sort that out mm. like been painting painting ceilings is hard work yeah um, so yeah, I've been painting all day and stuff. So yeah, I'm sure we will um, find some energy, Glenn, when we <laughs> when we start ranting, um, as we always yeah. do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a it's another it's a it's a it's a 2021 2022 game. This isn't mm-hmm. it. It's got everything that everything that this season has had so far, um, highs and lows, but um, a, sh- a shit outcome. Yeah, even the positives that we try to glance onto you know particularly last week when we were talking about Cambridge Ollie and I was giving you our positive we played but you know we, we still didn't win do you know what I mean and we're going to talk about some of the passage of play and, and how well we played at certain parts against Oxford I wouldn't say we dominate the whole game and we'll get to that but yeah to come away with another loss and um, some of the records that we've got at the moment it's it is staggering you know just just as a, a sort of wider thing really before we get into the game it is Pretty remarkable that we haven't got sucked into even worse trouble over these last 13 games. Um, well, I'll go to one of the stats now, Ollie, because basically we have, we've won one game in 13, which is staggeringly bad um, run of form. But somehow we've ended up further away from the relegation places than we were at the start of that run, which is bonkers, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's funny because remember when Steve Cottrell came in and we were absolutely buzzing, weren't we? And I kept mm. updating that league table of when he joined to now and we were like, you know, we were like 10th or something like that at one point. And I did that on the weekend after the game to have a look what it looked like and yeah it's basically like the kind of league table where we are now we're really fortunate that um, that over this over these 13 games since the Liverpool game there are a lot of teams that have been worse than us Fleetwood Charlton Athletic are dropping like a stone and then yeah the rest of the bottom four have, have stayed where they are so we're really fortunate that yes we did pick up some points in these 13 games of all the draws but it's been a, a dire stretch yes there's been a couple of good performances and me and you obviously do a podcast every week. We talk about all sorts of things. You know, I love talking about XG and analysis and stuff. And you get <laughs> to a point there, don't you, where you have to go, yeah, okay, you were talking about analysis and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's about results. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to get relegated. And I get the sense that because we've always been just away from them, it feels like we're not quite in the relegation fight because we've never really been in the kind of the the real guts of it. We haven't been in the mosh pit, have we, of the relegation battle. We've been kind of watching from the sideline, but very, very closely. And yeah, it's it's been an interesting been interesting year so far. Um, not one good for goals either. We we've only we've had we've had seven games over those thirteens. We haven't scored. <laughs> it's which not great, is, is it? truly remarkable, especially when considering some of the teams that we played in this period. And the teams we play in this period where we haven't got results is, is shocking because you've got like Gillingham and Crewe and, and Doncaster. Um, and, and there's been some pretty dire games in this period. Well, we know one thing for sure, Ali. We're playing one of the dire teams um, on Tuesday night at home, Morecambe, aren't we? And if we don't win that, then I think we might come back next week and talk about um, a chasm that's uh, suddenly it's funny. not there. We're at a funny yeah. juncture, aren't yeah. we? 
we're yeah. at a funny juncture. It could be, you know, we could be in a safe. week's time or after Saturday next week. Yeah, we could be safe. Yeah, everyone could be going. You know, let's get our flip flops out. Who are we going to sign next season? All the questions to the pod will be: Who are we signing in the summer? Who do you want to get? Or it could be next Sunday. We're back here again, and we are perilously close to, um, to the relegation zone. Um, I have this feeling that we probably will be fine. But I just have this worry, and I do think that we are we are very very close and mm. teetering on the edge. And given who we've played in recent weeks, um, it's just the lack of scoring is the big issue, isn't it? And that's 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 been our Achilles' heel all season. Yeah, I mean, there's probably not much point in touching on that too much as we've done no. it to death, Ollie. But um, it's still this is still the Achilles' heel, as you say. And um, yeah, you know, we could easily be back here on Sunday pressing the panic button, or we could be here, as you say, looking at, uh, at better times ahead and maybe looking at what Cottrell could do go, going forward. But yeah, we're still you know nine games to go now, isn't there? That's it, I think. And um, you know, it's nine games to go, and we're still not out of it. So um, yeah, obviously this game on Saturday didn't help. So there is that. Um, I suppose before we get into the game, it was one thing just to spot, and it's quite a funny one that's come up today. I think it was um, a tweet that was last night. I'll be honest with you. I went to the pub after the match yesterday, Ollie, um, and I didn't get home until a bit later on. I had a big snooze because uh, I can't hack, hack more than about four pints nowadays. Um, but anyway, so I, I got back and uh, kind of missed this. But like, do you remember when we played away at Salford um, in the FA Cup? I went up to that game and um, there's a guy called Chris Hawkins who's like the um, six music, music presenter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I don't listen to six music. I'm not really too familiar with it. But clearly, he is someone well known in this country. I think, and you know, has a fair justification, I suppose, of being our most most famous fan. Ollie, I asked a few people today. Can you name anyone who's more famous who's still alive who supports Shrewsbury Town? I can't. You'd probably say Dave Edwards is probably our favorite, our famous well, famous fan. But yeah, excluding true. footballers, he's not really a fan, is he? Because he's played for the club. It doesn't really count. Um, but yeah, well, Dave Edwards is a fan, our, isn't he? But he's yeah. definitely our he's definitely our most famous pure fan. Yeah. And so he, he went to Man United with his daughter yesterday and described her daughter calling it her first proper match, which was met with similar ire as to uh, young Daniel Tuzgrinsky's uh, t- text a few tweet a few weeks ago, Ollie. It was, you know, come on, you've got to tell your daughter that watching, because his daughter had been to watch Shrewsbury Town before, you've got to be telling her that Shrewsbury Town is a proper game. You know, we, we aren't a semi-professional side. These these games are proper games. I haven't seen him uh, clarify those comments, but um, there you go. I thought it was quite funny, Ollie, but um, maybe we'll have to revoke his uh, proper football man card until we till we see what's what and um yeah, we'll have see to maybe do a shout go. out to the uh, to the listeners and say who can take <laughs> his crown as Shrewsbury Town's number yeah. one um, number one famous fan yeah not well until busy gets famous we'll have to wait and see won't we but um yeah, he's, he's famous and infamous but I think more town fans know who busy is than Chris Hawkins but yeah it's an interesting one isn't it we, we do not have any particular celebrities following us at all do we so not that it's a, a be all and end all but um there we go. We thought that was quite a funny one just to start the podcast with Ollie because, uh, yeah, there was a few fans getting on his back. But um, we'll see where that one goes. And, yeah, we'll leave that one there, all. And, uh, yeah, let's crack on and, and look at the Shrewsbury Oxford game. Sean Wardy then from 12 yards. Scores! Very cool penalty. So Saturday, 12th of March, yesterday, 2022, um, in front of a reasonably healthy 7,302 fans, Ollie, which was which is good. Oxford brought quite a lot up, didn't they, with their kind of promotion hopes uh, going on, which were, were boosted by this result. Um Unfortunately, Shrewsbury Town 1, Ryan Bowman on 60 minutes, Oxford United 2, um, Taylor and Brannigan. Um, Brannigan late on with a penalty on 82, wasn't it? Which finally killed us off. And um, yeah, not not the best result and continues with our, our poor home form, really, which is something that's kind of crept up on us, wasn't it? Because we were often, you know, during most of the podcast this season saying we can't simply couldn't win away from home, could we? We've only won one game away from home all season, but our home form was keeping us in it. But that's five in a row now, Ollie, without a win at home. Um, last one was 2nd of January, which was that good Sheffield Wednesday one run one really and um, yeah the home form you know we've picked up a couple of draws here and there 
there. Um, but it's, it's definitely dropped off a little bit, hasn't it? As we've 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 kind of gone on this season. Yeah, our home form was obviously our saving grace before. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've picked up away results. It seems to have, um, yeah, seems to be seem to be struggling, and yeah, it is frustrating uh, that we are not doing very well at home. Obviously, the potentially has an impact on season ticket sales and and tickets as well, mm. from having such poor home form. So it, yeah, it is it is frustrating. Yeah, we'll touch back on season tickets later, won't we? As as the news was announced this week, as to what the club are proposing to do. Um, yeah, I, I think a few people have mentioned this one. I've seen it being a bit of a topic of discussion on Twitter. But that's thirteen games and one win now, Ollie. Um, and during that time, um, seven blanks, like you said in the introduction. But actually, when you look at that in more detail, it's only six goals in the last twelve games now, Ollie, which is pretty abject. It's possibly, I think, I'll have to check it tomorrow, um, but I would be fairly confident to say that might be the worst goal-scoring run of the of the season across like a 10-game uh, stretch. So pretty abject. Um, and as I say, as the season goes on, we are really continuing to kind of go for that worst goal-scoring record in League One since we came back up. We're now only at 32 goals in 37 games. So we've been over all the reasons for that, Ollie. But as I say, it's always worth just kind of updating them to say we're still continuing headlong into this, this probably record-breaking League One bad goal-scoring season unless we start to put the shooting boots on in the last nine games. And how many goals do you think that Oxford has scored in the league? We've got 32. They must have like 55, something like that. 73. Oh, God. Lucky bastards. We we often do this at the end of the season, don't we, when we start to get to the last three or four games. We're like, how have they scored double the amount of goals of us this season? They're only (laughs) mid-table. It's... um... (laughs) Uh, yeah, let's not go into that. It's obvious why, um, but um, <laughs> well, it is it is very frustrating. And it's you, you know you watch games for it's really I've in the last few weeks actually I've watched started watching a bit more. I don't know why. I don't know how I found time. Maybe it's because I'm just like hold, looking after Benji or sitting holding Benji up. Yeah, um, I was going to say it's Benji. That, um, watching a bit more Premier League games and even watch the Champions League games. It's weird. I pay for Sky and stuff, but often I don't watch it. And I've mm. watched some Champions League games like the Real Madrid games, and goals are fun. Who knew? They are, but they're always much more fun when it's your team scoring oh, as well. Like I, you know, 100%. I don't mind watching a, you know, no, like the Euros the and stuff, and it's watching big games. But it doesn't, you know, a three hat hat trick by Ronaldo would not insane me anywhere near as much contrast. as Wally getting another. Yeah, it's just a, for me, it's just a stark contrast that we have so many. No, games I agree. And we just and gold is such a rare commodity in Shrewsbury. And has been for such a long time, but um, yeah, we will we, we'll revisit this again at the end of the season. Um, go on, run us through the team, Ollie, because obviously we had changes due to Vela coming back. Yeah, we did. So we had Morrissey in goal. Um, we had Flanagan um, on the left and centre backs with with Pennington on the right of Ebanks in the middle. Very settled three at the moment. I can't see those three being broken up anywhere soon. No. Um, Bennett and Nurse as wing backs, and then we had Lee for now and Vela in midfield with Bowman and Ado up front. Um, so obviously it was interesting to see Vela come back in. Um, I I think it's quite simple why. Um, but just a question to you, Glenn, like, just to explain to listeners, where would you, how would you describe Vela's position? Where was he playing? He was a bit more dynamic, I suppose. He potentially got forward a bit more than maybe we've seen in recent games, but he certainly seemed to be playing ahead of Fauna, for example. Um, I don't know, that would be my sort of judgment on it. I'll be honest with you, until you asked me that question, I hadn't really picked up too much of it. They, at times to me, I just thought, oh, we're playing three, three midfield and it, they were kind of rotating who got forward. But maybe, now I'm thinking about this later on, was he maybe a bit more advanced than we've seen in, in recent times this season? Yeah, or I wasn't I sure whether he was playing, because the manager called it midfield three. But then I sometimes thought that maybe we were still playing three four three, and he was playing in a more attacking role. Um, it was, yeah, it was definitely, yeah, he was, he was definitely moving, and, and that's one of the things about this team. And obviously, the, the kind of the the, the, the fear, the, not the fear, the trap of describing it a formation is you um, obviously you know players move around a lot. But yeah, he's definitely quite dynamic, and for me, he was almost playing that kind of that midfield role how Wally was playing it, 
where he'd play defensively as a three, but then given license to really push on. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of debate as to whether we should bring him back in because of how poor he'd been in that spell before he obviously got the red card. And, you know, but uh, Bloxham had done reasonably well in the games he's played recently. But I think we saw enough on Saturday from Vela to suggest that that was probably the right call. I don't know what you think, Ollie. I think it was the right call. Um, he's yep. our best player, uh, championship quality player. And we saw the impact. Yes, the pro- was there some merit in making him pay for being sent off? But I think it's, it's. Um, I think you should shoot yourself in the foot there doing that. Needs must, isn't it? Really, let's yeah. be honest about he's it. He's our best and, player. Um, it's not like he's our best yeah. player in terms of just output, consistency, effort. And he's had a few weeks off as a rest. So yeah, you you want to put him back in. He's our best player when he plays like he did on Saturday, but we have seen too many below par performances yeah, from him, which is why it opened that debate. Yeah, if this was like FIFA or whatever, you know, you'd expect Vela to have the highest rating of all the players we have. <laughs> he hasn't got it in the football manager database, but that's because I'm an idiot. So there we go. Um, <laughs> we'll have to. Go. I'll have to maybe review that at the end of the season. But um, uh, yeah, I th- to be honest with you, I think up until the start of this season, Pierre had the highest rating in our team, which clearly is not the case anymore. So it's very difficult to keep up with things on football manager Ollie with, with the way people kind of suddenly drop out of favour. But I will be reviewing those stats in the summer, so we'll, we'll revisit it. But um, yeah, there we go. I suppose it was one of those just to mention. It was quite funny. I bumped into um, Roger Groves in the in the fan zone. Um, it's good vibe actually in the fan zone on Saturday. There was loads of Oxford fans in there. It was it was it was good. It was a real real nice atmosphere. But he was he was telling me that um, if you want your lad because I took Rory up, he, he was like, if you want your lad to go and see the helicopter, you'll have to go in ten minutes early this week because normally helicopter lands literally the minute before kick off, chucks the ball out, and takes off, and then basically we kick off, don't we? But because of the whole COVID red zone thing, still Ollie, um, it had to land like fifteen minutes before kick off, which I think surprised a few people who weren't expecting it at that point in time. But it's always good. It was military day on Saturday, wasn't it? And there was a lot of stuff outside the ground, and it's, it's always good that the club does that recognition of the military and the the helicopter landing is kind of always a highlight of the season isn't it it's quite exciting highlight of the season might be (laughs) pushing it I guess that's how boring watching Shrewsbury (laughs) is yeah but no it is nice touch I think it's also nice as well obviously Shrewsbury and Shropshire um, has obviously a strong link to the military as well and with the bases bases in the the county so yeah it's a really nice touch and I think it's, it's a good one for the kids as well isn't it they love it. I looked around actually when my lad was sitting with one of his mates rather than uh, up where I sit, and um, they they were loving it. All the kids there were down the front taking photos. I thought it was, thought it was fantastic. So always always a good thing. Um, yes, and uh, we all got buffeted into our seats by the the rotor blades as it, it kind of took off. And uh, yeah, it was it was on to the game, Ollie. What did you make of the start? I thought we started really well. Typical yep. town at the moment. You know, we we started really well. I thought we started well. Um, getting the ball into dangerous areas and that link-up play between Bennett and Velas was was there straight away. One thing that was kind of, I think, was probably the maybe the, the highlight at the start was, um, yeah, there was a few obstacles on the pitch. <laughs> there was a pit, wasn't there? I didn't know this, right? And, um, like, obviously, remember Blackpool away in the her season? I organised that um, Inflatables Day, didn't I, away there and called it the beach party and it was bloody brilliant that day, wasn't it? Everyone turned up in, uh, like, beach wear and it was about 1,000 inflatables at one point knocking around, I think. Maybe that's an over-exaggeration. But I think the South Stand, through the South Stand Flags guys, had tried to do that on Saturday and it's a shame I didn't pick up on it or get a bit more traction on it because I think it would have been a good idea to kind of maybe get that going around the whole stand, really, because um, we've not really got an away game that a kind of end of season party really works at this season they're a bit crap aren't they all the rest of the away games we've got coming up I suppose Charlton away is probably fun because it's in London but Sunderland away Rotherham away Milton Keynes they're not they're not great for end of season party type things so no. yeah I, I, that was why there were so many beach balls on the pitch Ollie they'd had a kind of inflatables day and it was probably about 13 14 of them one, one of the funniest things I thought was when Morosi went to uh, stamp on he stamped it out got stuck on his foot and then the next one he went to volley into the back of the goal um, and he missed Ollie it, it just blew away to the side I thought that's pretty de- pretty confident that's like pretty much all of our 
fight finishing at the moment, isn't it? So, um, yeah, there we go. They cleared them away eventually. <laughs> yeah, they got, and then yeah, they did delay the game for a few minutes. Um, shaming that they couldn't delay the game for a bit longer um, because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, unfortunately, Nurse played the ball to, to Leahy. Leahy lost the ball, got tackled. Um, Oxford counter attack, um, shot on goal, a rebound, um, and yeah, they put the ball into the back of the net. Um, which was yeah only eleven minutes in, and they'd taken the mm. lead. And um, there was a bit of a an offside claim from Pennington. Did you think it was offside, Glenn, in real time? Yeah, no, I thought it was miles off. And and I saw some fans who were sitting like in block two, um, saying that you know they were right in line with it, and it looked miles off. So I'm obviously on an angle from block fourteen. It wasn't quite in line with me, but yeah, it looked offside. And it one of the things I would note is that pretty much block every fourteen, if you moved. Oh, God, 17. What am I talking about? There you go. Anytime I make a mistake today, Ollie, I'm leaving it in because I can just blame the fatigue <laughs> from the bike ride. Um, but no, it was um, it was very telling that the anger started against the referee and the linesman from that point onwards. They were all atrocious during this game. But um, I think most town fans in the stadium thought it was offside. Um, and yeah, I, I've not watched the replay back today. I'm sure, I'm sure you it's might really have done, but I don't know. It's really hard to see it... on, the, on the replay. Yeah. So in real time, I, I thought it was very questionable. I wasn't sure. Definitely. Um, it, it felt offside. Watching the highlights back, you don't you don't get a good you don't really see it at all. But when the ball yeah. is played, the, he is noticeably ahead of our players, significantly ahead. Um, and let's be fair, like you know, our central defenders and like Pennington in particular, he's not, he's not fast, but he's no slouch. And the Oxford striker yeah. isn't exactly rapid. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think there's, I think it's very questionable whether it was on off offside or not. And also the thing that makes me made me think that it was offside the manager was really furious about it and normally what he does obviously he has access to the an analyst who records the game and probably has mm. got a better view of it um, so yeah not not good well the players were fuming the three centre-backs were absolutely um, going at the referee about it as well so clearly they thought there was a ma- massive merit in it but um, yeah it wasn't given was it Ollie and um, you know it sort of from that it started it really I can't remember there was a couple of penalty shouts excuse me maybe one of them was just before the, the offside goal actually thinking about it so maybe it, the, the sort of anger didn't start there but yeah in, in that first half after the, the, during that period of time they had a couple of penalty shouts town one was for a handball um, and another one I think it was for pulling Leahy back from a corner and referee was yeah, having nothing the of it and I think, one was I thought that yeah. was that was harsh it's, yeah. It seemed like a weak ref, and he wasn't going to give stuff like that. But I don't know. It seemed seemed really unfair. The handball one. I don't know. What do you think about that one? Uh, it was pretty pretty close, wasn't it? From from what yeah. I could see, I wasn't. I was more annoyed about the Leahy one, and I think the Southstand fans were absolutely furious about the fact that hand being given. And I think these three incidents kind of set the tone for the game. We were maybe only sort of 10, 20 minutes in by the time that had happened. All those three incidents and. The, the die was set. Does that make sense? The linesmen and the referees were just getting clogged the whole time. And I have to say, it's one of those games, Ollie, where sometimes, in my heart hearts, you like to think referees are honest people and they're just trying to do the best they can. But sometimes I think there are certain referees who have a bit of an attitude about getting barracks by a crowd and go against it even more. Because from that point onwards, if we're brutally honest, the referee gave us almost nothing when it came to free kicks um, and, and it was just infuriating the fans all the way through the game we'll talk about some of the more moments but to me it was almost these sort of three incidents that kind of set the tone for the crowd on Saturday yeah it's an interesting point isn't it because you know I've been at games where and you can probably think of games as well where the Shrewsbury Town fans are quite good at getting on the ref and sometimes you get stuff and yeah. you're like well, it sounds like we've we've got a few fouls or even there's been games where we I think you know we've got a penalty which probably didn't really deserve and it does happen but sometimes yeah I do think it goes goes the wrong way like I think like mm. booing, your play, booing your own players at half time doesn't help sometimes I'm not sure if getting on the refs back you know how to win friends and influence people you be nice to people you make them feel welcome um, yeah shouting and screaming yeah I don't know mm. for this ref probably didn't work I- 
That's what I mean. I think on balance, getting at a referee at a home... Yeah, on balance, you probably got more likely of winning. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Maybe he was just a terrible ref. Or maybe he's just a wears Oxford pyjamas. I'm not sure. Well, we've we've got obviously Andy Davis, who's been on the podcast before. Um, Pooley Shrew, who's been on numerous times, ex-professional footballer, played for Shrewsbury Town. And I've got a good friend of mine called Andy Davis as well, who was the manager of the Waysporters back in the day. So um, I said, never trust an Andy Davis. They don't know anything about football. So um, <laughs> there we go. I've obviously but it's been, interesting, actually. Uh, I use the quote now. Kind. But it's interesting we're just talking about the ref and just kind of add some credence to that. Is No, yeah, um, yeah. Um, Carl Robinson came out of the game and said, I thought there were some very peculiar refereeing decisions that went our way. But I've spoken about many, blah, blah, blah. But he, he came out and said he thought the referee was poor. And for an opposition yeah. referee to mention it, for me, it means that it was really bad because most of the time they'll just not say anything. So for, for, the, for an opposition manager to, to mention it and say it, um, yeah, obviously means it really was quite bad. Yeah, I, I, in the end, landed on the fact he was fundamentally not a very good referee because as much as town fans got angry, angry and they sort of didn't want to see the wood for the trees at times, like every little shoulder barge, we were like screaming for a foul and we didn't get them, but some of them weren't fouls, to be fair. But there was there was a Stonewall penalty I fought for Oxford a bit later on where a guy got in the box, looked to take it past one of our players and, and got tripped. And like everyone in the crowd was laughing because they thought, it, like a lot of people thought it was a Stonewall penalty around me. So I think fundamentally, and there's more instances went on where they just made mistakes, to be honest with you, but the balance of mistakes was in Oxford's favour, I think. And, and that's probably what Carl Robinson's getting at because they all made mistakes all, all three of the officials and and uh, obviously Cottrell did get the fourth official as the game went on as well so um I can understand why we were frustrated that's for sure I think it's I think you're fair there I think you probably was just overall just a really bad ref um yep. he was yeah making poor decisions and it was interesting Saturday um, across um, the f- football league was littered with with um, crazy mistakes like I don't understand yeah. how that player was not sent off in the Liverpool game um, and there was a the uh, one that, yeah, yeah Havertz um, should have been sent off probably today for elbowing Dan Byrne who was covered in blood yeah, so right. yeah it seems to be a weekend of bad refereeing decisions and we were all worried about the game on Tuesday where Darren Drysdale's refereeing and we ended up having this performance on Saturday so surely Darren Drysdale's got a free hit Tuesday he, he potentially can't be worse <laughs> you'd hope not you'd hope not <laughs> well I definitely hope not otherwise we will be in trouble so there we go so yeah that, that was kind of the referee chat I think and it went on through the whole game there's a couple of instances we'll move as we go on but um, Town did start to create some chances still even though we went 1-0 down I thought we still kind of kept going didn't we yeah we did um, we kept yeah, yeah did we did we do really well in this half though or was it just we did create a few chances I think that's fair to say um, we've talked about quite a few other points haven't you about the um, in terms of the Leahy um, pullback and stuff like that and then, yeah, probably the best chance really was that Bennett cross. And it was a header from Leahy, which made a really good save. Um, and I thought there was good link-up play. And Vela is so key to our link-up play. I thought he's, he was linking up well with Ado and Bowman and obviously Bennett as well. Um, and I guess the other chance as well was that Ebanks header, which was well saved by the keeper. Um, but it was, a, was an interesting. Yeah. It was an interesting game for off the field um, incidents because there was a few guys who got a, a free, um, a few view, <laughs> a free view um, of the game on Saturday. Yeah, I'll come back to Avex header in a minute. Yeah, but for anyone who wasn't there, there was um, I actually um, was out in the car early in that morning. I took my lad to play golf up at Hawksland Park, and we were driving back and. Um, I noticed there was a cherry picker up on the roof of Lidl as we drove back down towards, because obviously living near the stadium. And I was like, oh, I wonder what they're doing. It must be on the roof, Rory. And he was, he was laughing. And um, anyway, during, during the game, there was three blokes who'd got back up in the cherry picker. They didn't look like they were doing much work, Ollie, but they were definitely just staring across through the corner and, and trying to watch as much of the game as possible. So um, I think Lidl will have to dock their wages. Um, is it Lidl or Aldi? I can never remember. Um, but yeah, there we go. They weren't they weren't doing a lot of work, whatever they were supposed to be up there for, but um, probably the worst view you could potentially have to watch a Shrewsbury Town game, Ollie. It was not the best. Um, but I wanted to just go back to that. Um, 
um, Ebank's chance because I thought that was an absolutely brilliant save by their goalkeeper, Ollie. To me, that was the chance of the half. Um, wasn't as good as the Bowman chance second half, which we'll get to, but just amazing. Headed it down. Couldn't. I don't think Ebanks could have done any more with that header. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you'll blame the, the bad, bad finishing and, and we'll come to that with other chances. But to be fair to Ebanks, he did as much as he could there and the keeper was just better. Yeah, it's one of those chances you know, where Ebanks did a good job. Obviously, heading the ball is from a corner. You know, it's, it's, He did the best he could. He headed it down, but it was just a good, a good mm. goalkeeping save. And we've come across good goalkeepers in the last few weeks. Yeah, and it was another chance from Bennett. I was thinking about this, you know, we talk about our poor finishing this season, but Bennett should have about 20 assists, really, shouldn't he? Like, pretty much all of the good chances we miss in games seem to come from Bennett crosses. He's been really good, hasn't he, in terms of trying to put it on a plate for players and I'm not taking the chances, but he's been he's been so good this season. He should definitely, definitely have more assists, that's for sure. Yeah, I'd say that... Um... Yeah, I'd say that our central defenders, apart from Flamingham, have not really contributed enough goals this season, which has been disappointing. Okay. Especially as we have a few different decent um, set point uh, set piece takers as well. So yeah, it's a bit, bit, bit a little bit frustrating that he hasn't scored more. You said Flamingham then, and I think you meant Pennington. But no, because that'd yeah, be a harsh Flamingham. Yeah, I nearly said yeah, Flamingham, but yeah, I said Pennington. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, Pennington's been right, doing you all can't right. Even- Blame a cycle ride for that, Ollie. So well, well no, I'll I've been painting all day, so it's hard work. But um, I'm looking after a little one. But um, yeah, it's... oh, there you go. We knew, this is why we flagged it up early doors, Ollie, because we're yeah. both in a fatigued state. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, game ended with a, another moment, really, which we were, I suppose, lucky for in the end. And uh, Oxford scored another goal, didn't they? But that one was flagged for offside again. Quite a close decision, I thought, on the day. But um, I think maybe they got that one right. Um, I didn't hear Carl Robinson complain about that one. But going in 1-0 down rather than 2-0 down, I felt that was quite good in the end and the half had gone. So, um, yeah, 1-0 down at half-time, Ollie. Yeah, 1-0 at half-time. Uh, but, yeah, it was one of those games where, yeah, unfortunate to be uh, kind of behind overall with the chances we had. Um, and that, yeah, the kind of the, say, the controversy around their goal. Um, but yeah. I didn't feel like the game was... And in a normal, if if you take the kind of the opponent out of the equation in a, the game like that, you'd think you'd have a chance. But we never do anything against Oxford. Even Carl Robinson, he seemed to be very honest this week. He was saying, you know, the last four times he's come to Shrewsbury, he, they've got a result, and they haven't quite deserved it. And I just feel mm. like Oxford are definitely one of our bogey teams at the moment. We, especially at their place, we often get annihilated in terms of possession and chances. And at home, yeah. we don't do very well against them at the moment. No, we definitely kept them honest, you know, considering they yeah, had such yeah. a good season. We were we were good in parts, as we say. We talked about um the, the midfield three. I should I want to flag up Fauna, I thought it was excellent in the first half and played really well second half as well. I thought him, Vela and Leahy looks like a reasonably good League One midfield if they can if they can get themselves going a bit more now. Um and the and the front two worked quite hard as well. So there was a lot to like about that first half. I mean, take away the finishing, there was some nice moves and some nice some nice passes and I think a bit of that played into it the, the second half when we did score our goal, which was kind of a really good goal, I thought. It was a really, really nice goal um, in terms of like in terms of play and, and passing. It was a, a fantastic goal. Um, Loads of passes. Yeah, yeah. really good build-up play. Um, Vela plays into Bennett, who gets the ball into the box, um, comes to Bowman, who puts the ball in the back of the net, which has been a long time coming. When was the last time he scored, Glenn? Fleetwood, Boxing Day, uh, when we won 3-0. Um, yeah, 15 games ago. I don't think he played in all 15 of those games, to be fair. I think there was a couple where he was out, wasn't there? But um, Or he was maybe on the bench. But yeah, 15 games is a long time for a striker to wait to score a goal. Um, I don't, you know, Ado's not waited that long at this point this season, I don't think. But um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting reaction, wasn't it? It was clearly the reaction of a man that it was annoyed with his goal-scoring output in those 15 games because he looked absolutely furious to have actually scored. 
Yeah, he didn't celebrate at all. He yeah, <laughs> congratulated Bennett, who was all smiles when he was celebrating him. I thought that I thought it was quite funny as well. Vela tried to like jump on Bowman and Bowman just didn't react to anything and he just fell off him and landed on the floor. Yeah, weird. It didn't feel like it was one of those, you know, the crowd had been on my back, so I don't care how I've scored for you kind of things, which we had with maybe a Chris Bright back in the day. It just felt like an internal rage that's been building up with him. And I can understand why, you know, he, he missed that sitter against Sheffield Wednesday. He's missed a couple of really, really good chances in games since then. And, um, you know, as a striker, that pressure relief just can kind of do funny things to you. So, but it was a good finish. It was really hard, powerful, little swivel as the ball came in. And um, yeah, a good goal. Um, I say the build up was absolutely fantastic. And that kind of, you know, 60 minutes got you feeling this game was there to be won. And I think we had our best spell after the goal, maybe for like, 15 minutes where we were just completely on top, Ollie. I thought we dominated that spell and then we got, you know, sort of came back to earth as the game went on. But yeah, there was there was more chances in that 15 minute spell. Um, and obviously, yeah, as much as he scored the first goal, the best of all those chances was the one that came to Bowman. Um, and you can talk about this one, Ollie, because it was a shocker. Yeah, it was really poor effort. You probably actually a bit of criticism for Bennett here. So Bennett, Bennett cuts in, he gets really, really close to the box. He cuts yeah. in inside as well, so he's at an angle to shoot. He sh- probably should have shot on his left foot, but he passed it to Bowman, but kind of behind him. So it was a it was a difficult chance for Bowman because the ball was behind him and he had to get the ball under control. But when you're that close to goal, you'd hope that you'd score. Yeah. You've got to bloody get it on target, haven't you? Jesus, that's that's the main target from there. And it wasn't as bad as the Sheffield Wednesday miss, which was sh- shockingly bad. One of the worst messes I've ever seen at the Meadow. But again, not not a great moment. And hopefully that one doesn't get in his head and, and cause him to go another 15 games without a goal now. I'd like him to get on a run. Um, I think the one thing I would say about Bowman and Ado this season is when they've scored one goal, they've both gone on a little run, haven't they? So you kind of hope that as Bowman got one in this game, he might get a couple across the next four or five games really and just have a little, little goal-scoring run because... Um, you know, they are confidence players, aren't they, both of them at the end of the day? Yeah, they're players that definitely need confidence to perform at their kind of highest level. And yeah, Doe hasn't scored for a while yet either, has he? Or did he score a few weeks ago? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, well, he scored Liverpool. That was yeah. his last game. Was it Liverpool the last time he scored? I think so. Um, yeah. I feel he might have scored in one of these other games. But yeah, his, his output is not as good as it was before Christmas, um, which is a shame. No, no, they both drop right off, unfortunately. But one of them needs to get on a run, so hopefully that'll do Bowman in the world of good, having got that goal, and just forget about that city missed. Um, I did write in the agenda here, Ollie, uh, ongoing West End refume, but we've covered that. Um, but yeah, just as things were looking good, and we were lit- we were literally on top. It was definitely against the run of play, their second goal. Um, we shot ourselves in the foot and uh, conceded a penalty, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, Taka got kind of, yeah, the wrong side of Bennett, and then I, looked, I think he was looking for the penalty, he was, yeah, dangled a leg or kind of ran in front of um, in front of Bennett, um, but it was clumsy and Bennett tried to win the ball a few times and, yeah, unfortunately went down and it was a penalty. Penalty was given. Was it a penalty? Probably. It was clumsy, a little bit unlucky, um, but if that was against Shrewsbury, you'd be, obviously, you'd be claiming it was a penalty. It was he got a goal side of him, didn't he? Just about, and I think that's where the the, the problem comes. Once you've lost maybe control of the man you're marking, um, and you you overcommit on a challenge, whether it's clumsy or not, referee's going to give it. This referee was always going to give it. Let's be honest about it. Um, but yeah, I I did as much as I was annoyed with. I've got a lot of things that went on this game. With the referee, I wasn't overly 
annoyed about this one having watched it live on the day Ollie so um I thought fair enough and it just I don't know just felt like a little bit of a deja vu this season and, and there's been a fair few games when we've had good spells or we've we've looked like we're going to go on to win and we've found ways to shoot ourselves in the foot we talk about all the red cards we've had this season but we've given away penalties at bloody terrible times of games this season and this is just another awful penalty to, to give away at a, a really bad time um you know game going on then into sort of 60 plus minutes only half an hour to turn things around it kind of t- took away the, the chance of a win really I didn't think we would be able to get two goals so um it was a bit of a, a bit of a body blow really yeah, I didn't really see us scoring after that. Um, they scored the no. penalty. They never saw us, yeah, scoring again after that. And I don't know. It's um, I think, yeah, I think it's just our form, lack of confidence, lack of ability to score goals. The, the probability we we're going to get a second one is for me very, very mm. low. And yeah, we didn't. Um, there was a f- yeah, a few things to kind of notice. Obviously, a few, a few negatives, a few positives. Um, so one of the negatives was that, well, yeah, if Vela was through his coat, through his coat down, maybe a bit of an exaggeration, he kind of had <laughs> it and he kind of put it down. Like he did throw it down, but I don't think it was like, I think he was just fed up, like rather than angry with the manager. I think he was just fed up. He wanted to carry on playing, which is fair enough. Um, but there was a really, really nice moment, wasn't there, Glenn? Um, for Sean Wally, who came, who's come back from injury a bit faster than everyone expected. Your mum must be happy. My mum was delighted. She was there on Saturday. She's been missing a few games recently because it's been, in her words, too cold, which, mum, you're listening, that's not a good enough excuse. Um, but <laughs> she was obviously very delighted to see Sean Molly get his 250th appearance. I thought it was a bit um, harsh. Like, you'd, you'd always like would have envisaged this massive milestone coming in a comfortable 3-0 victory against some lower league team at home where Wally bags the winner. Or what starting it was, he came off the and bench. that random yeah. applause. <laughs> And he came off the bench when we're two one down, and you know, in a in a losing effort, I feel I feel a bit like it's not overshadowed it because it's it is literally one of the most iconic kind of appearance records we've had since we moved to the new meadow. Um, but yeah, I just wish it had been something a little bit better, or he already got off, come off the bench and scored the, scored the equaliser. But um, yeah, it wasn't to be, was it? And and we should just mention, you know, I, I kind of was saying it was a shame the Southstown lads and the Southstown flags lads didn't kind of um, spread that message of the inflatables there a bit more widely. I, I can understand why, you know, they're trying to grow their own thing there, and that's fine. But I. I think they, yeah, I think it'd be good to kind of get everyone else on board with things like that. Um, but one thing I will give them credit for is they had a Sean Molly banner ready for the occasion, which I believe was not one of the ones where I've worked with them getting them made by manufacturers. This was something that they made by hand um, and they unfailed it as soon as he came on. It was great. It kind of just fell down at the front of the, the area where all the lads stand up there. And it was a really, really nice moment. I hope, you know, Wally would have seen it and he'll have probably thought it was fantastic. But yeah, it was it was kind of the capstone on what was a nice moment. And he got a, a it was weird. He didn't get like a stand innovation when he came on because People were kind of cla- some people were standing up clapping the guy going off, and then some people were a bit away with the fairies. I think it wasn't like a rapturous applause when he came on, but good enough. And um, he's got his two fifty now. Who, who knows? He might go on and get another eight nine appearances this season, and, and could be could be a bit of a game changer for us if we if he starts scoring his uh, finds his scoring boots. But yeah, lovely moment, Ollie. Probably probably the highlight of that second half, really. Um, but other than the goal, and would you give Sean Wally a new contract? I said I would like to reserve comment until the end of the season because. To be honest with you, he didn't do a lot when he came on. So um, I've absolutely no idea what kind of form he might have. Um, but yeah, I think he's playing for a contract. That's why I would describe it, Ollie. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. Be, I think it'd be interesting one to keep an eye on um, with whether mm. he gets a new contract. Um, yeah, whether 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 a classic winger like or inside forward will get a, a new contract in a Steve Cottrell squad. Um, I'd be surprised if he does. Uh, but it's, it's a great record. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it's a great yeah. record what he's achieved. 250 appearances... Um, in uh, yeah, in the 21st century in League One football is is pretty phenomenal, and yeah, he's been a great servant to the club, um, and it's obviously created some you know, some great memories as well. 
yeah, I think, you know, if it is to be the end, and uh, I know a lot of people don't want it to be, and I saw a lot of chat about give him another contract, and as I say, we'll see where that goes. But I would love him to see him get at least one more goal between now and the end of the season, just to, you know, write a write a note under his time at Shrewsbury Town, if that's what it is to be. Because the effort and the work he will have put in to get him back from that injury, Ollie, is not to be underestimated. He's been fantastic. And, and it shows how fit he is, I suppose, in terms of his, you know, natural fitness to have been able to come back from that injury at his age. So there is a, there's a few things to be positive about, about why a contract might be worth it. But yeah, one more Wally goal. That's what we want to see. Yeah, fingers crossed he'll get at least one more before the end of the season. It would be a nice yep. moment, I think, especially at home to celebrate uh, in front of the fans. That would be a nice way to, to, to kind of, if it has to be, end <laughs> of his time here, but a nice way to end it. Um, but yeah, um, full-time whistle went and um, yeah, um, <laughs> to talk about the manager, he started um, the post-match um, by um, talking, you could see it was very sarcastically to the fourth um, official set up um, congratulating on his performance and then he continued by going on the pitch Glenn yeah we should point out that he got booked halfway through the second half a few minutes the refer- referee yeah, and, and whatever he was getting on uh, the fourth official so he'd obviously had his fallings out with the fourth official but yeah he walked on the pitch and everyone I think initially I tweeted 10 minutes before the end of the game that he's going to need an arm, armed escort at the end of this game and I think that um, Steve Cottrell's going to go for this referee not in like a violent way but he was definitely going for him I was completely right he kind of stormed onto the pitch after he'd had his chat with the fourth official and he just went up and sh- sarcastically shook every member of the uh, officiating team's hands like well done great you know sort of thing but it was like clearly taking the piss sort of thing like David Brenty or um you know like uh that Graham Turner moment you know you've cost me my job um it was uh yeah it was interesting to watch he didn't come and clap the fans after that he was so furious after his recent clapping of the fans when we won or got good away results that's gone out the window because we lost um but yeah it was it was interesting I mean he, he can't hide his emotions can he Steve Cottrell let's be honest about it he he, he just lives the game and when he's as furious as he clearly was on Saturday he has to let whoever know who's made him furious he has to let him know which you can't really criticise him for too much. The fact that he's pissed no, off I after he lost. Um, yeah, that's fair enough. I do find the old um, clapping the fans kind of, I don't know, either do it or don't, <laughs> but don't do it when when it's in your favour and then run away as he has done on certain games at home when, when we lose. It's just that yeah. little, little bit. It's just classic Steve Cotter, isn't it? And people think, oh, opportunity to, to kick the manager down. I really don't care if a manager collapses or not. But, you know, like Mickey Mellon, Sonic Mickey Mellon would do it religiously, home every game, win or lose, and you can kind of live with that. Um, and if you don't do it, fair enough, I'm not going to really whinge about a manager. But the fact that he's a fair-weather clapper um, irks me a little bit. I mean, we've talked about this. Does he really care about us as fans? I don't no, think he does. He doesn't, I don't he doesn't think care about the press. About he doesn't care about anything. He just... No. He just cares about doing a good job and the football of it. And yeah, he will he will men- make mention of the fans and how good of a job they did. But the fans were no more it. or less positive on Saturday. He does it because he Saturday. knows he has to do it rather than because I yeah, think Jenny it. believes it. But the point is, when we won that game the other week, wherever it was, and he was saying the fans were brilliant. It was Burton away, wasn't it? I think it was, or, or, remember, or Cambridge away, even when he came in. But the fans were just as positive on Saturday. Let's I, I, Just to take a step back, the fans were all on the referee's back. But they were great backing the players on Saturday. Really, really loud. You know, it's been a, been a real positive thing of this bad run and, and even the bad run before Christmas the fans have really been positive and they've stayed with it the whole way you know this was Ricketts I don't get it it's, it's odd isn't it he's, he seems like a more unlikable fellow but he definitely doesn't get the grief off the off the fans as much as Ricketts was in that latter, latter era for similar bad runs it's a very odd thing that's going on at the moment I'm not sure what would ever change it but um, it's, it's interesting to talk about Ollie yeah I don't understand why he gets away with this really abysmal run it's as I said earlier in the podcast, it's, it's the results end of the season. 
and we need, yeah. need to get some results um, and we're not getting them. So, um, yeah, I think those six points at the moment is, I think, um, yeah, is saving his bacon. I wonder whether just the, the three seasons of this now, almost four seasons of this struggle lower league table has just whittled away town fans' is, I don't know, like Expectation ambitions. or enthusiasm is just, this, <laughs> yeah. is, this is... It's like, oh, he's keeping us up. Crap, so it is crap. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd. We'll revisit this at the end of the season, Ollie. We've got lots to talk about at the end of the season review as usual. Um, that was it anyway. Off he off he trotted. Um, off we trotted with another loss. Unfortunately, you talked about what um what uh, Robinson had to say. We'll, we'll run through our top threes before we look at what Cottrell had said. But um, for me, I, I couldn't really split the midfielders. I thought it was one of those games we've lamented the the weakness of the midfield quite a lot this season, haven't we? Um, like in games where we've had no control. Yeah, and, and the numbers as well. But the reason it's been so weak is there's not been enough decent midfielders to play there. I thought Fauna, Leahy and Vela is quite a nice partnership. I really enjoy watching it on Saturday. And I, I have a lot of time for Fauna for his age. And I've been kind of giving him man of the match points over the last few weeks. I haven't given him a, a man of the match yet. But for his age and for what he's come into and, and how sort of settled he looks, I, I get to give him man of the match on Saturday. I thought he was he thought he was really, really good. He was no better or worse, I suppose, overall than Leahy. But just for the fact of what he is and, and the lone nature and... and Young age, I thought it just tipped it for me, Ollie. But it was really difficult to split Leahy and Vela. I went for Leahy second and Vela third, but that could easily have been the other way around. But I thought all three central midfielders were really good on Saturday, and it was a pleasure to actually watch that for for one of the very rare times this season. Yeah, I thought it was a bit harsh of when I was getting quite. I thought maybe a little bit of stick early on. I thought, yeah, you need a player, especially a young player on loan, needs a little bit of time to settle in, and he's showing us. What yeah, I probably judged him too early. A good young um, prospect he is. Um, yeah, in terms of um, top three, um, I nearly put. Um, Bennett in my top three but I think if you give away a penalty it's, it's pen. hard to get yeah. in the top three um, and then, yeah I saw you were you'd had a, you were looking like you're having him in then you took him I out changed again it. I saw you were changing <laughs> it um, so yeah I went for Bowman um, I thought he you know scoring a goal I thought he, he also occupied the central defenders quite well um, he scored a goal um, which obviously one of the hardest things to do in football so fair credit there Nurse was just another solid performance for me I thought he played really well um, and then yeah Vela for me was, was third um, he um, yeah he's it's clear why the manager um, decided to put him in, in the side mm. it's interesting now at this time of season only before we move on to Cottrell but obviously we do a player of the season every year don't we and it's based on these votes we do in every game for, for those who've not picked up on that over the years um, and it's really tight this season you know, Leahy is just leading um, a doe at the moment but there's chances for, for, for Vela there's chances for Bennett um, there's a chance for Nurse to get right up there um, and even Morosi some of, some of the players that have been better in these recent runs um, I'm probably missing one or, one or two players there that have kind of still got a chance it's, of all of the years we've done this podcast Ollie, someone's always run away with it whether it was Pierre um, or whether it was Vela last season they've been miles ahead and uncatchable at this stage but actually it shows you how weird this season's been when the defence were really crap at the start of the season and we were giving it to the midfielders then in the middle bit we were giving it to all the strikers and now in this latter phase we've generally been giving it to the defenders so it's kind of balanced out those votes so anyway a lot of players could still win our player of the season Ollie yeah there is Glenn it's it's almost there's been a lot of players have been consistently okay um, and then we've had yeah. players haven't we who've kind of gone on like big runs so obviously Bowman you know the FA Cup game he was really good wasn't he away at um, Str- um, Stratford um, and then mm. obviously Ado before Christmas um, obviously Leahy's obviously you know really shone in midfield um, so yeah there's a lot of players that have kind of had some peaks um, and I guess that's why it's you know it's, it's quite competitive this season yeah, I mean, if you're picking it now, Ollie, who would you go for? Um, probably Leahy. Um, probably, yeah. I think he gets a bit of a, a multiplier effect for changing position during the season. True. Um, his contribution yeah. for goals, his attitude, all-round play. I think at the moment, Leahy is um, is up there. Uh, just out of that interest, was Og better anywhere near the running, or was he was he not really that high? 
No, he picked up quite a few points in that, that little good run before Christmas, didn't he? But he maybe maybe he's only got 40, 50 points, something like that. He, yeah. he made his debut for Swansea. Well, yeah, he got out. injured in his first training session. They said that he was carrying a bit of a knock from Shrewsbury. <laughs> first training session, he was out. So, yeah, good to see that he's... Oh he's he obviously, we want him to play because we'll probably get more money if he plays and does well. Mm. No, Lee, he's a good chef for manager, uh, player of the season. I, I say, I think that you... I generally, when I come to do my vote, always lean on someone who was... The consistent one across the season. It wasn't flashy, which is why I would never really consider a dope player of the season. But yeah, I think for consistency, you've got to look at Leahy, Bennett, um, and uh, Pennington. To be honest with you, they'll probably be my top three. Maybe maybe uh, Vela thrown in the mix there somewhere. But yeah, we'll see what happens. There's obviously a few votes that get done by different people. I, I can see it being one of those years where, like normally at the end of season awards, someone wins the OSC one, the Salopcast one, the the away fans won. I can see it being a few different people this season, which would be good, actually, if it got spread out a bit more, because normally Pierre picked them all up or Vela picked them all up. So, um, yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see that. I, I spoke to, again, Roger Groves um, in the in the pre-match uh, in the fan zone, and he was telling me that a, a mid-April date for the uh, end-of-season awards is kind of on the cards, um, similar to what we were doing um before COVID, so it will be back at the stadium, which is great. So fans will be able to come along and probably sit on a, a table with the players and stuff, whether that's allowed, I'm not sure. But um, it's definitely going to be something at the stadium, Molly, which is great. Yeah, nice to get to a bit of normality. And um, yeah, yeah, fingers crossed we can yeah, have something positive to, to talk about <laughs> at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's going to be a tough one to see who, who actually makes it. It'll be interesting to see what the fans think in terms of who their player of the season is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll chat about this in a few weeks' time again, Ollie. Um, just let's wrap this one up with Steve Cotter and then we'll look at a bit of Saturday news, Ollie. Yeah, so yeah, he's, he's clearly lost his voice, which I, which is no surprise. Um, most games <laughs> he nearly loses his voice. He was clearly irked by the result, which is fair enough. And I'll keep it quite short. He was basically saying, you know, we're okay first half. Didn't think we deserved to lose the game. And he talking about how you need to take your chances. Um, he obviously did the press, the, the, the interview with the club first and then interview with... Um, with Stu Dunn and I don't think it was any I don't think you can criticize the manager too much in this one. He just clearly did not want to be talking to the press after that game. Um, which, you know, after a game like that and having those decisions go against you, you can understand. So I'm not gonna be too harsh on him this week. Um but yeah, disappointed with how we, we played and yeah, he asked some um some questions and he gave very, very short answers. It doesn't feel like he was in the sort of mood, having seen what had happened at the end of the game, that you would say, um, so Steve, um, that's one win in 13. <laughs> so I think you would have probably got shot or something. Um, yeah, so probably best to leave that one. Yeah, I would have grabbed them by the throat, I think, maybe, if you did that. Obviously, that's a joke. But um, yeah, I don't yeah, think it would have been... Um, yeah, I don't think it would have been a good idea. There we go. Okay. All right. Well, we'll look at a bit of salad news now and, and, the, and the next couple of massive games we've got coming up and then and we'll wrap up after that. They have another corner, second in quick succession. Here it comes from Tolly. Tinson's in there. Could break for Dobby! Yeah! And he scores! Dwayne Dobby hammers the ball into the roof of the net! So, big salad news this week. Um, something that kind of crept up on a lot of fans, really, because of, I don't know, how the season's gone and how the, the last few seasons have gone with COVID and all that. But, um, yeah, we kind of sort of glossed over the fact that at some point they needed to announce what they were going to do about um, ticket prices and, obviously, particularly um, season ticket prices. And... Um, Slight uplift, Ollie, um, to our ticket prices this season, which I think, you know, uh, it's it's about a quid more a game if you've got a season ticket and you buy it on early bird. It's something like 15 quid still. I think it was kind of the number. It's not a lot for your match day, is it, I suppose? Um, I asked quite a lot of people about this on Saturday in the fan zone. You know, my mates and a few other people are sort of standing around and no one seemed overly bothered or particularly surprised by it, Ollie. And particularly when, at the moment, it's quite a good time to launch it, when petrol's gone up in price and your groceries have gone up in price and your energy prices are about to go through the roof and pretty much everything that you buy or, or need to buy is going to suddenly 
go up in price significantly more than the increase that we've got um, for our season tickets and our, and our ticket prices. And they talk about it, you know, to keep pace with everybody else at League One. I think that's great. I thought it was fantastic that they've kept free season t- uh, seats. Free tickets for under-12s is a really key thing for the club and they have not reneged on that, even though there are clubs that don't do that. So, you know, they normally charge £5 for, for kids. So I think that's great. It shows that commitment to kind of keep the youth coming into the club. Um, so there's a lot of things to, to like about it. It's never nice to pay a bit more money for stuff, but it's just the way of the world at the moment, isn't it, Ollie? And um, I don't know, were you, were you overly surprised? No, I'm not surprised at all. Um, we've probably been keeping the prices quite low for quite a long time. Seven um, years. It's never a good time to increase prices. Um, no one likes it um, but uh, yeah I thought the, the reaction from the fans was quite muted on this yeah definitely I would agree normally when we've done price rises there's always been a bit of a, a reaction but we should say the price has been frozen for seven years which is pretty remarkable during this, this seven years and everything that's kind of happened um, elsewhere you know you see your, your ticket price for going to watch a film is not the same as it was seven years ago is it you know it's 10 11 quid at a cinema most places nowadays so the club have done their best i think for fans but i think there's there's that acknowledgement that covid has left a bit of a hole that needs filling um it's not nice to think that they're just going to plug us for that money but it is it is what it is isn't it ollie that money's got to come from somewhere and uh you know it is one of the biggest import you know kind of bits of money into the club isn't it i guess so um yeah, if you don't like it, you don't have to buy your ticket. It's unfortunate, but you know certainly it's not going to stop too many people renewing. I don't think. No, it's, it's not going to stop me buying. I think, and also you know, I think charging away fans as well more money is, is not a bad thing either because we, we always quite a cheap ticket. Cheap, cheap ticket. Yeah, no, true. The away fans have been getting too much of a good deal. So let's, uh, yeah, let's hammer them. Um, but there we go. We got some fan questions before we get into the next couple of games, Ollie, which are massive, as we said. Um, yeah, I, I saw someone asked you this first question, Ollie, um, which was uh, Josh Owen on Twitter, um, asking you about why Cottrell leaves his subs too late to make an impact, Ollie. I mean, it's, I think we've talked about this as the season's gone on, but um, he certainly doesn't change from that too much, does he? No, I think for me, this is why does you know the question is why. I think it's maybe he doesn't have a lot of faith and he you know with the small squad and he thinks he's got the oh, best. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see next season whether we make subs a bit earlier but I think yeah why does he do it? I think probably doesn't think that they're going to improve the game um, significantly. Don't know if you got any yeah, extra to add on that. No, I think it's, it's this season's generally been a, a result of the fact that we've got a weak squad and not enough on the bench that would make any difference. So um, I can kind of understand that one. Um, you think that a, refer- a manager with a wider squad could make change? I heard a couple. Of, I think I heard a manager doing an interview as I got home earlier on. I was in the in the radio. I think it was Jesse March at Leeds, and he was sort of talking about what thing were you sort of most happy about at the end um, to kind of to, to get back into the game at Norwich, and he was saying. I had substitutions left. So all managers have that option, don't they, to change a game at the end and keep their subs. So yeah, there's a, there is a merit for keeping things in the last bit of the game if you suddenly fall a goal behind. So lots of reasons, um, but it's, it's not one that's you know annoyed me too much this season, I don't think, considering where we're at. No, question for you, Glenn. So from, from Cal, um, how significant is the return of Worley? Um, and kind of where do you think he'll fit into the side? Obviously you've got Bloxham, Bowman and Ado, as Cal mentions in his tweet. Mm. Um, have struggled for goals um, so where do you think Wally fits into this team it's tricky I think initially he's an impact player off the bench I can't see him being thrown back into this quickly like he obviously came on on Saturday but I can't see him starting games too soon I could be completely wrong this is obviously just my view but I think he's just going to stick with Bowman and Nadeau now for the rest of the season maybe in this formation we've got now and um, you know lay on throw throw it for Wally in really because if he puts Wally back in, he kind of has to unsettle tactically what he's been doing, doesn't he? So, to me, maybe impact sub, um, but may- maybe towards the end of the season when he's really got his fitness back up, a couple of, couple of games to start. But to be honest with you, I think that might be all we see of him. 
Yeah, I, I think I think it's probably about fair. Maybe if we have a two game week, that he maybe he'll get that start. Um, the start. Um, question um, from uh, from the Killy Shrew. Um, why does Vela walk straight back into the side? Um, Bloxham gets punished for weeks um, after the red card. Um, you know, do you, th- do you think he should have had to have fought for his place? I said last week. I think he should have done. Yeah, but um, as I said, I think we got proved. I got proved wrong on that. He was good on Saturday, and that's what kind of warranted the decision. So, um, why does he get back in? Well, he's he's one of our most experienced players. He's been here one of the one of the longest. Cottrell clearly likes him, um, and that's what football's like, isn't it? If you if you're one of those players that a, a manager can trust, and he clearly trusts Vela, doesn't he? Despite the red card. He's never not going to start, is he? So, um, you know, he's almost like the the Norburn role um, under Sam Ricketts. You know, he started every game regardless. So, it, you know, whether it's frustrated fans, I did say a few a few were a bit surprised to see him get back in straight away, particularly with how frustrating and annoying that red card was and how much it cost us. But I think, you know, as we said before, it's a bit needs must, Ollie. I don't know if you, you've got anything else to add to that. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier on in the pod. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it was the right move. Yeah, I'll ask you this one then, Ollie. This was off David Brown, um, DB15 on Twitter. Um, he asked, "Do you think that three four three works better than three five two? I think so. I think so, especially as we don't have that natural number ten. Even though Vela probably can play, but he never really seems to play him there. So I had to choose between a three four three and a, a five two. Um, yeah, three five two. I'd. I think I would go for go for the the three four three better, and actually maybe playing Vela on the right there, or maybe playing mm. Wally on the left and Doe on the right, or Do, um, with Wally cutting in. Um, I think it adds us a bit more balance." Um, and I think it makes us a bit more attacking because we seem typically seem to play with a bank of three in the middle, and I think it finds I think we find it a little bit one dimensional, and we don't have anyone in that number ten space. So yeah, that's, that's no. my thoughts on that. I think I agree on that. I think the tactical question really for for this question is is what's Cottrell going to recruit into for next season? You know, will, will he stick with a three four two, or will we look at a three five two, or will we look at something with with more you know kind of wingery type aspects? I can't see him going too far away from either of his tactics. Though they've generally been the two he's played the most, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah, final question. You can answer this one, Glenn, um, from Nathan on Twitter. And he said, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've seen a few comments recently suggesting this season is part of a wider building project. What do you guys think about that? Do we need to be more patient? Um, and then on building on that second part of the question, you know, it's next season, the real test for the management. Well, it's obviously a real test because <laughs> we can't do this for a fifth season in a row. We've got to aim and have some ambition to be better. And you hear about Cottrell. He does talk about, you know, building things and he seems to have got the defence sorted, doesn't he? And what's the next stage? Can he can he go on and make us more of an attacking outfit? But he did say that at the end of last season, Ollie, and he did not make us more of an attacking outfit this season. He made us a worse attacking outfit. So... Make it that way, you will. Um, but yeah, I, I, about patience, I don't think he's been moaned at quite a lot. And there's been a couple of games which we thought might go toxic, but they never did. I don't think he's come under any significant pressure yet. You know, it's not like we've done a podcast saying he's got to go. We've been angry with him because of on and off field issues, I suppose. But um, he's clearly not going anywhere. You know, he's probably going to keep us up now. Um, and he's got a summer to kind of reinvigorate the fan base, show us what he could be looking to do next season and, you know, come out and say, we're not, you know, going to be trying to just keep ourselves above water in, in this season. We've brought in some quality up front. You know, here's some recognised League One players potentially that we've managed to push the bat and get and get everybody excited about football again. And I, I'm always excited about football. I love my town but and I love my team. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 is it a project? I don't know. It just it feels like we've spent the last year and a half just surviving through COVID, and he's coming at the right time to do that. What what can he kick us on to next, Ollie? I guess is the next question. Yeah, I think we just yeah we just we want to be entertained, don't we? Have a bit of fun, um, and hopefully hopefully we can sign a few more players in the summer. Uh, if he doesn't do it in the summer, and we have another 
you know, another August where we don't sign players or, well, it doesn't really matter. If, you know, if we sign any players before August, that's fine. But yeah, if we have another yeah. poor window where we don't sign enough players um, and, and, and not more entertaining or, you know, don't, don't, have, don't have more attacking threat, um, it will be um, really, really disappointing. Um, and I don't know. I think, I think the patience thing is an interesting one. Yes, you know, keep changing manager all the time is clearly not going to work. Um, but then at the same time, it, it's, it's, it's dire. But we keep repeating that because it's, it's almost like groundhog yeah. day. I, it, I, it's not unfair to say this season maybe your patience has been tested a little bit more than mine, Ollie. And I think um, I think that's a fair thing to say, isn't it? Would you disagree with that? I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I don't know whether, <laughs> I don't know what what it is. It's, yeah, I, I seem to be a little bit more frustrated, but I think I'm just, I'm just tired of the same nonsense and I'm almost tired of, you know, me and you to chat obviously a lot um, in the week and before podcasts and stuff and yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to keep saying the same things over and over again, and I'm just mm. just want to see some goals, want to see some some fun, entertaining football, um, and we're not getting that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm I've been frustrated at times this season, but there's I think I've managed to keep like I'm not not saying you haven't, but like you know I've seen the crap times for other managers and. Is this particularly worse than under Jake King or some other managers I can remember? You know, spending my season to get money on and watching every game but that isn't season. That a, isn't there that is a really low bar to set? Though. It's a terribly low bar, but that's where I'm at. Like most UV Town fans, I think, and I had my peaked interest from the poor her season, and it continued into the into the ASCII season, and it ended up costing me to get massively angry at ASCII and be part of you know. A, <laughs> you know, kind of haranguing him out of the club in some respects, let's be honest about it. So did did that help us in the long run? No, we just are the same. It's it's an interesting discussion because at no point has Cottrell come under any of the pressure the last two managers have for what is a team that is, if not just as bad, slightly worse. It's I think it would be a really but, good question, wouldn't it, for um, yeah. the end of season pod um, with Lewis and hopefully Mark Elliott. You know, why, is, why do you think the manager's given a bit more patience? Because... Yeah, I, I genuinely think I think the last few weeks I've been thinking of the fact that we've always had that little gap to the relegation zone. I think there's meant yeah. that was a number of Shooter Town fans don't think we've really been in a relegation fight, almost as if we've been in mid table when we when we haven't. I think that's fair from some of the lads I talked to. I think the way at Cambridge I was talking to a few lads there, and you know we seem to just be okay. And um, and you know that's what could worry me is if we lose the two games next week and suddenly everyone goes from the sort of that. And that's why I'm that really worried. Kind of comfort to shit in a brick from yeah. nowhere and it's like why didn't you see this coming season, you saw it coming Ollie yeah <laughs> and that's the kind of season that you you do get relegated is where you're close enough close enough close enough it's just looking back at those results where we haven't got the results against those really poor teams below us just makes me yep. really really worried no we, I really hope that next week we come back and we've got some positive results to talk about and looking ahead now Glenn Morecambe on Tuesday night is it is it a must win game well, we, I said it was must-win when we played them the other week, didn't I? And then it got called off. So it's definitely must-win now with nine games to go, considering they're the... Well, they're not even the team that are the last place now. They dropped down a place now. I think, did Doncaster go above them? Or someone went above them. But they're, Gillingham went they're above them. Yeah, and that's the thing, Gillingham they're, they're, are picking up some results. New manager, Neil Harris coming in. You know, they're, they're picking up results. Fleetwood, you know, are getting results as well. Um, okay, they lost to Burton on the weekend, but they are picking up some results. It's... Yeah, I just, I just, I, I always think, remember that Warsaw season when they were in the playoffs hunt before Christmas and then they just plummeted and got relegated? There's always someone that drops down, and I just hope it isn't us. 
I hope it's Charlton, uh, <laughs> the way they're going. But we've got to play them away, yeah? That's going to be flipping massive as well. But yeah. um, I don't know. It, it definitely is must-win to me. And not just because you want to keep the gap to Morecambe as wide as you can, but for exactly the reason you just said there, Ollie, is that some of those teams below us have been picking up points. Over the sort of last five games, you know, teams have got points back on us. We've we've witted away some of our, um, our buffer to other teams. And there's been a lot of Tuesday night games where we've not played and then we've kind of got away with it. You've looked at the results and thought, oh, that's all yeah. right, that's all right. But even when you said that's all right, one team's picked up a couple of points, you know, a, a draw or a win. And, and so, you know, three of the teams below us lost, but someone won. And just even that slow creeping has kind of um, dragged a few teams within our scope that were miles away from it at one point. Like, how far away were we from, from Doncaster at one point? They've, they've caught us a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think it's must win for just keeping our head above everybody else, not just Morecambe. And let's be honest, Morecambe have been abject this season and they're not on a brilliant run either. And I win not either, but it's at home. It's probably one of our easiest games of the seasons, and to not win that game would be a, a real marker. And the other added factor is to it, we are away to a team who are in the top two, or are they still top? I don't know. I mean, you know, we're going to go to Rotherham and get a point. You know, it could no. be that Rotherham know, are top of the table, and the, the top they're top by four points. Yeah, they got a few games, great games in yeah. hand against Wigan, but yeah, they've they slipped a few um, games recently, but they're a solid, solid side and. Yeah, the only same growth at the moment really is we've got Fleetwood and, and Wimbledon a buffer. Um, but yeah, let's yeah. see where we are next Sunday. Yeah, it's massive, massive week. Um, and yeah, I'll be at the, the home game on Tuesday. I'm, def- I'm going away to Rotherham as well. I'm taking my dad to one of the, the away games this season. He always seems to want to come to Rotherham. I don't know what it is about Rotherham, but um, there we go. Um, but yes, yeah, so it should be should be an interesting week. And I, I just I hope we get that win Tuesday. It'll be a massive pressure relief. And it, it might help them play at Rotherham a bit better as well. But going into that game at Rotherham, having lost to Morecambe, I could see us being very jittery and getting smashed. So I'm trying to be positive, Ollie. I think we'll get a win this week against Morecambe. I think they'll finally get over the line in one of these games against the poorer teams. Yeah, I think we might get four points this week. You know, I think we'll beat Morecambe and we right. might get a point away at Rotherham. Where's that come from? <laughs> um, no, I just, I, it's, it's, it's. I'm, I'm, I'm allowed. You like to have two different thoughts or feelings at the same time, aren't you? I, I, I fear that we're, you know, we are in, we are in a, it's on a sticky wicket. I mean, it could go bad, but at the same time, I think we will probably pull out of it. Um, but this Morecambe game is, is, as you said, going is absolutely massive. It's massive for it them is. as well. And it's, it's it could be a it could be quite a feisty game. There's a there's a thing uh, um, that is a kind of a, a kind of a mental health issue that I've I've heard people talk about before. But it's called catastrophic catastrophic thinking, Ollie. It's where whatever you think about, you think the worst is going to happen. And uh, I think the lack of sleep with you maybe is as kind of well, <laughs> you've had that at the back of your yeah, head the last few weeks. <laughs> maybe maybe well, yeah, it's not really a lack of sleep because I do actually get, get <laughs> Benji sleeps through the night, so I'm quite lucky yeah, in that lad. regard. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm almost going against my own logic because in this podcast I've always said you know we've had done, we do really bad against teams below us Doncaster Crew Gillingham we've all done really bad this season and we obviously lost to Morecambe already but yeah. I don't know I just feel like I don't know Steve Cottrell has this knack doesn't he of getting that result at the right time and I think it all might happen yep. again on Tuesday fingers crossed all right good stuff we'll be back next Sunday um, covering those two big games and uh, yeah looking forward to, to better times cheers guys thanks for listening. Oh!